0: All right, welcome to the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast. This is the third installation of our Phenomenal Woman series, and I am sitting next to a very phenomenal woman who you'll get to meet in a minute. But before we do that.
1: Bun, 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 bun.
0: All right, so get your jingle here, folks. So that is none other than the fabulous Sarah Jessica Anderson. You can connect with me. I'm her manager. Well, I'm her mother, but, you know, momager, all of that, you know. Anyway, so I am so excited to be sitting in my faux studio with none other than the fabulous Cardifia Moore Jenkins, known as Deedee. Okay, good. I was going to say, what do folks call you? Because it took me a long time to pronounce that name, child.
2: Yeah, Cardifia is... um a mouthful. It is.
0: It is. It is. And, I mean, I've known this young lady for such a long time. And, you know, you know the saying, black don't crack, black really don't crack. Because
2: a few years ago, didn't
0: I go to your 50th birthday party? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah,
2: so this year, um, I will be 53 this year.
0: Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, girl is looking fabulous. Oh. I...
2: You're
0: too kind. No, I, 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 I'm not lying. I'm not lying. You know, I'm going to try and take a picture of us after this podcast, and I'm going to put it on my website, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Um, so, but Miss Dee Dee, um, is with me today, and she's the third woman in the Phenomenal Woman series. And you know, one of the reasons why I chose Dee Dee it's because I've known her for a very long time since I was in my teens. God help us all. Yes. Yeah. Been
2: back a long time.
0: Yes, and I was just so impressed um just with everything just the way you look the way you spoke um you were just always so kind and uh, you know and like after just getting older and speaking to you so it's funny when you when I knew you as a teen um and you were in your 20s you just seemed so much older to me and now we're like the same age so
2: how did that happen I don't know you caught up to me <laughs> whoa <laughs> Oh, you managed to, uh, catch up to me. Cause I think you were in your teens and I was probably, um, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Cause it's been about 20 years at least. Yeah.
0: It's more than that. It's like more than it, that. it's more than that. It was a long cause it was through white cleaners and right. yes, I worked there like right after I graduated high school Yes.
2: Holy crap! Let's not talk about age anymore. Let's not talk. But listen, girl, we look good. We look good. I really do. You know, when people ask me about my age and I don't have any secrets, I don't have like this clean eating raw Mm. diet or anything like that. But I think a lot of it it has to do with um, lifestyle in the sense that prayer is an intricate part of my life and um, and I think I come from good genes too because Ooh. my mom doesn't look her age either. And so um, I really believe that the God that we serve preserves us. I really do feel that like fine wine baby yes like fine, like fine wine. wine yes
0: and her mama is fabulous fyi i do know her mother and she looks fabulous and she's also so sweet so when you met when you meet dd you'll know where you know it comes from if you ever meet her mom so um dd's on the phenomenal woman series and i thank you for taking the time um to be here lord we had some technical difficulties yes, this we morning.
2: Did, but i'm so glad to be here thank you <laughs> it's an honor to be chosen and to be thought of as a phenomenal woman
0: Well, you know, and I've explained it a couple of times and, you know, I I post about it. You know, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this show, because I think that a lot of times, you know, we associate phenomenal with celebrities. Absolutely. And there's a lot of phenomenal women in our circles that, you know, we certainly look up to. And, you know, I'm from the island. It's not we're not very vocal with our words. Like a lot of times, you Mm -hmm. know, we'll see a woman doing her thing and it's like, ah, ah, ah. I got you but you know mm. we never come out and articulate and say you know Cardithia, I admire you I, I like the values that you stand for I love the way you live your life and as you know we have gotten to the same age as I have caught up with you right. <laughs> You know, and for you to talk to me about the things that, you know, you had gone through, um, you know, being a single, like you were married, divorced, you know, being a single mother and just all the things that you went through um, and it didn't show and I didn't see it. Mm. and. I didn't And you know One of the things Because I was just like Yo she just You just look so put together And like yo That you know you, I aspire to be that Like just oh. so put together And like just You know You have your faith And you know melan- Melanin popping And at a time when You know We weren't meant to feel beautiful Because we were dark skin, Because you're dark skinned Yes And absolutely. we're going to talk right. about that A yes. little bit Like you know Just what you went through Like as a dark skin, You know That was way before Beyonce sang her song And right. way before Lupita Nyong'o And mm-hmm. all of them Came out way you know. Before- you know, we were dealing with this thing for a very long time and just admired you so much. And that's what I want to highlight. I know these phenomenal women. And, yeah, would I want to get Oprah? Absolutely. And I will one day. (laughs) But just to be able to speak to these women and just to share the story that other women could connect with and say, you know what, I'm not doing that bad. And you know what? I am phenomenal, too. So, Dee, Dee is currently, um, let's talk about you. Tell me what you are doing right now and your journey to now.
2: So, right now, I am a supervisor. I work for the state of Massachusetts as a social worker. And um, I've actually been in that field uh, for nearly 20 years. I left the agency that I worked for for about four and a half years, and then I went back. And so, uh, but I'm a social worker through and through. Um Child welfare is very important to me, and so I'm doing that right now as my full-time job, but secondary to that, like you, we have many side gigs, and mm. so I, I have my business, Waste Beats by Cardithia, which has been around for about eight years now. So I'm still working on that brand and actually partnering with The Jewelry House to have um, a kind of a new launch coming out this spring. So I'm working on that. And then I've got a couple of other small things, um, little uh, things that I'm working on. And one is um, I do have the vision board workshops that I do. I do those for groups, but I've also done those um, for private sessions for, excuse me, and um, did it with a, a couple as their date night. Ooh. Yes. All right. Yep. And um, also as parties. If someone wants to have a vision board party, invite a few girlfriends over, and I'll come over and we'll do the vision board workshops there. But I'm also working on developing a, um apparel brand Ooh, as well. Ooh. All right. So called redeemed okay so i'm working on that
0: all so. right well god is good he, uh,
2: is. It, he is and folks
0: y'all better support small businesses so yes yes please, please. absolutely you know i mean listen i love nike Great brand, you know, and I mean, hey, don't you have a hundred dollars to put for sneakers? But all I'm saying is this, (laughs) you know, when we see small brands, we've got to go out there. We've got to support them because they need to get their start somewhere. And Mikey, Mikey, Nike won't miss your hundred dollars. But, you know, that hundred dollars could do so much for a small Small brand.
2: Absolutely. It's so important. And, you know, sometimes you may not have the money to support that brand. But maybe you can share their post. Mm. You can like their post. You can retweet it or whatever it is on whatever platform you are for social media. There are ways to support. Certainly a small brand would love for you to buy their merchandise. But if at that moment you can't, please like and share Mm. because that's going to help spread their
0: message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and talk about it, you know, with your friends. So um, there's a couple of things I wanted to hit, Um, you know, that you mentioned. So you mentioned your social work and you mentioned where you work. So without releasing any proprietary information, you know, what does your job entail? Because we see a lot of stories about, you know, children, it's being too late and, you know, getting hurt in the home and things like that. And I was always wondering, you know, there's so many kids in foster care and wanting homes and then there's so many parents who want to adopt. So where is that disconnect?
2: That is a really good question. Excuse me. That really is a very good question. In the last um, I'd say probably in the last 10 years, we've seen a dramatic decline in the number of families that are making themselves available for To be foster parents. Mm. And so, as a result, um, child welfare across the country, but especially here in the state of Massachusetts, has made a big push to place children, if they have to be removed from their parents, that they are placed with family members. Because we know that when children are placed with family members, whether it's their grandparents, an aunt, an uncle, godparents, someone from their church, a coach, a teacher, They're more likely to keep their heritage. They're more likely to keep their religion, their language, their routine, the foods that they're used to having, Mm. things like that. So there is a huge push for kinship. And uh, when social workers are going into the homes and working with families, we're asking them, who are your natural supports? Who are you connected to? So that in the case that we need to remove your children, um, who do we call? Who do we call? So we really need families to step up. And I know that a lot of times families don't want to step up because they don't want the department in their lives. Mm. Um, they don't want the scrutiny of the department. They don't want the department coming in and measuring their bedroom space and checking to see if there's food in their refrigerator and if there are any um, hazards in their home. But we know that when we do that, um, we're just trying to ensure the safety of the child who is actually the responsibility of the state although that child is placed with family. So I'm telling you that if you have family members who have children who are in foster care, reach out to the state, ask, what can you do? Maybe you can't take the child, but maybe you can be the one who gets them on the weekend and Mm -hmm. takes them out for ice cream or takes them to a movie or transports them to their visits with their parents or their grandparents. There are ways for family members to get involved. And so my job, as a supervisor is I supervise a staff of five. And each of those five uh, social workers have a range of cases. They can have as few as 15, but they can have as, you know, more than 20. Um, Fortunately, we don't have any like that right now. So (laughs) let me say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're responsible for each of those cases. So at any given time, I could have a range of, you know, 75 to 100 families that I'm responsible for making sure that social workers are going out to see them monthly, that they're making referrals on behalf of those families, that they're checking in on those kids in school, um, that they're getting to their medical appointments, and that they're getting whatever additional services they might need. And that might entail early intervention, maybe uh, it'd be helpful if they went to an after-school program, maybe they need individual therapy or some other types of treatment that would be beneficial to them. So that's a brief synopsis
0: stuff. So. no i mean it's a lot i mean we would have to have a show dedicated directly to that um, to even dig into just all the nuances and the resources that are available but you bring up a good point because i actually was under the impression it was all or nothing it's either you take the child or you don't take the child no, no you're saying that you can you know connect with and reach out and like just on the weekends or once a month or something like that to still keep them connected to the family.
2: Absolutely. There are so many different ways and it wasn't always like this. Okay. Um, In the wake of many tragic cases that happened here in the state of Massachusetts over the last five or six years, um, the department is looking at other ways to involve families and to create a set safety net for children, either in their um, when they're with their parents or um, whoever their guardian is, or if they do come into the department's care and custody, that there are other ways for family members to be involved in
0: their lives. No, that's good. Cause you know, it is a genuine fear. Um, a, Absolutely. you know, a lot of time the department has a bad reputation Absolutely. and you know, they're working because, I mean, honestly, the first thing you say to somebody, Oh, you know, the department of state or, you know, child welfare, they're thinking, Oh, all they do is take away good kids, you know, from the good parents. And then they forget the bad one. Then, you know, all these tragedies happen, right. but I know people like you, and I know that you genuinely care. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure you're not the only one there's, I'm sure there's others just like you. So how do you reconcile, you know, the reputation that you guys have with what you guys actually feel and empathize and go out there and still do your job knowing that
2: they hate you? That's a really good question. Um, I think that your actions have to speak louder than your words. And so if I say that I do this work because I care, I grew up in this community And because I grew up in Worcester, I feel like I have an obligation to give back and to serve and to um, develop healthy relationships with clients, with families, and show a level of respect, compassion, transparent, being open and honest, and being a true helper. And it's not always easy. People curse you out. They call you names. They make false accusations about you. um, And it gets to be really tough. But I know that I'm trained to do this. I know that I'm good at what I do. And I'm hoping and I am very intentional in the way that I work with my staff so that they carry some of those same values in their work with families. That helps, makes the difference. It's important for families to know that we don't come in Looking to remove your children, we come in looking to stabilize your family mm. and try to keep the children at home because if they stay at home, then you're responsible for feeding them and clothing them and mm. and making sure that they do what they need to do. But when they come into care, it creates a whole nother level of responsibility for the social worker as well as for as well as the supervisor to make sure that that child gets to doctor appointments, make sure they get to the doc um get to school and medication and all of that. It's better if we can maintain children at home with their families. That's our first objective.
0: And I, I'm so glad you say, said that Because I think a lot of times We think your first objective is just to remove the child And I, I, I always And I mean, I will admit I don't have enough I, ha- I did not have enough information Over the years I've certainly tried to get more information Because I think before, you know We expound on a topic um, You have to have the, the information Absolutely And it's the, it's the opposite in this culture it's why I <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's like it's true. Uh, <laughs> Topic. be an expert and especially with social media sometimes you can go on a rant and have absolutely no facts in your thing so i always want to have the facts but yeah it, I, I always assume that like you guys first step is to remove it. i'm thinking okay like we're just creating more chaos because they were moving these kids from the no- home that they know um and then you know we're putting it on these people that have five ten you know other you know foster kids and things like that so there is a misconception out there about what you guys
2: really do they're really is and sometimes um I've heard this over the last few years and even just as recently as last week some people believe that the more children uh, that we have a quota for the number of children we need to remove this is not like the police where you, you, know, you have to write a certain number of tickets that's not what we do and I don't mean to laugh and make light of it you know we're not making light of it but we don't have a quota for the number of children that we remove and people say you just you're just removing kids. And I'm like, it's not like we're taking them home because we got a second yeah. bedroom, you know, to put another kid in. No, we're removing them because children are at risk. Children mm-hmm. get burned. Children are um, physically abused. Children um, sexually abused. There are some kids who have, are severely neglected, so much so that they are failure to thrive, which is a significant developmental delay. Um, we are up against um, the opioid epidemic at this time. Oh. Parents are dying left and right,
1: mm.
2: dying in the home while the children are there, or while the child went off to school and came back. Um, there, uh, we're up against the um, mental health is huge. It's another big issue untreated mental health, undiagnosed and untreated mental health, and therefore impacts many parents' ability to care for their children. And then domestic violence is also another area in which um, a family comes to our attention because there's violence in the home. And so we're not out there looking for families and for children to remove. Um, we want to preserve children at home with their parents in a safe, nurturing Supportive environment, and sometimes if you, if a parent doesn't have, um, they're dealing with opioid addiction or some other type of substance abuse addiction, then they're not operating at their full capacity and it's impacting their ability to parent. They're making poor decisions. Um, if their mental health is not up to par and not being treated, then there also could be not be. Operating at their full capacity and then domestic violence as well. So we go in and we assess the situation before we remove children and we try to make sure that we put in as many services that are based in the community to help that family to give them opportunities to treat get treatment to stabilize the family and hopefully we can get out of get out of their way.
0: All right. Well, I mean, I laugh and we absolutely were not making right. light absolutely. because I just never heard it um, before. But I'm I'm yeah. sure now that you said it, it makes sense because you're right. People do think there is a quota. And, you know, like, oh, let's just let's see. I can get 100 kids out of their home this month. Like I come on, guys. I mean,
2: I hope that's not it. And it's it is not, not it. It's, not, it's <laughs> not it. it and what, what I try to explain to families is that it is a cost to the state. When we bring children into care, the responsibility that would be of the parents is now on thrust on the Mm -hmm. state. And that means social workers and supervisors and managers need to make sure all of those children's needs are met. However, when they're with their parent, it's up to the parent and we give you the support to be able to do that. So absolutely it's beneficial to keep absolutely. them at home. Exactly. Okay. So think about summer yes. and if I can
0: break it down, like think about summer like this, you know how like throughout the year you send your kids to school and you know, the school gives them the pen on school lunch, whatever they're there at a certain time, come home at a certain time. They have a certain amount of meals per day. Their, their day is structured in the summer. It's all you it's all you. You're feeding them, and Lord, do they eat. That's um, <laughs> true. They will eat you out of house and home. Yes, child, boys and girls. It's yes. not just boys. <laughs> Every minute, I'm like, my kids, I was like, okay, like, aren't you in class normally at this time? Why are you having a snack now? <laughs> so, true. it's the same, I think, just the, it's the easiest way. You know how I like metaphors and all of that. Right. Just to think of it like that's the easiest way. So then, you know, for the summer, you have them the whole day. There's no break. Same thing, you know, if the, the the family. DSS or DSS or DCF DCF, uh, the name's change so many times, yeah. um, takes them, then all of a sudden they are then responsible for everything for that child. So yeah, I think they would want to keep families together. So, you know, they've gotten a stigma, uh, but you know what, you just gotta let go of that and move forward, which you guys seem to have and been doing. And because of that, have been doing different things, you know, over the last couple of years because of some tragedies to kind of not only change the perception, but to actually be a help to the families out absolutely, there. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think one of the other thing is, is just like resources and giving them the help. Because, you know, like, I think one of the things that's been big in the past few years is autism. And, you know, a lot of parents don't know how to deal with that or how yes. to handle that. Um, and just figuring out how to get resources, mental health issues. That's another um, mm-hmm. big thing that's been affecting families. Yes. Um, you know, you mentioned in the opiate a- a- addiction, um, there's just a lot of things. So if we're able to Fix the family. So getting them those resources and things like that, I think what is what's going to help so we can you know, keep families together.
2: And that's what it's about. It's about keeping families together. And we know that when families are healthy and when they're strong, then our community is healthy and our community is mm-hmm. strong. Our city is healthy. Our city is strong. And so we have to start at the very lowest level, level Um, which is a micro level, which is with the individual and with the family. And when families are open to our services, we can hopefully get things, get the right things in place in order to affect change and then be able to get out of their lives we try not to stay in people's lives forever
0: no absolutely and you know like you said you you have so many families you're responsible for i mean you would like to see them you know grow just like your kids develop get you know be able to help themselves be independent and then move on because there's
2: another family because there's another family exactly so we move that family along and then there's someone else coming in the door um who has needs
0: That's wonderful. I mean, I think it's great work that you do. And I think that it's tough work. I don't know if I would be equipped to deal with that. I think you have to be empathetic. Because I think what happens a lot of times we become desensitized. So to things because we see so much. It's like the news. I I, I genuinely don't watch it. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm saying Me it. I just I, it's like it's too bam, much. Bam bam, bam bam bam. And the thing is, like the good stories. And you know, one of the reasons why I started my brand for the
2: just positive news. The good stories are buried so deep down. It's So true. It's so true. The the good stories, even in in the work that I do, there are lots of great stories. Never heard them. There's lots of great stories of families overcoming. Um, addiction, overcoming um, mental health, and getting the, the 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 services that they need, getting the treatment that they need, um, positioning themselves, repositioning themselves financially, um, getting education. There's so many great things that are happening, but that's not the stuff that we get to tell. We don't get to tell the good stories until maybe there's an adoption mm-hmm. and a child finds a new forever family. But there are thousands of stories, possibly millions of stories where great things happen in the family and they overcome all of those barriers that are meant to bring them down. We just don't get an opportunity to tell those stories. And we have to look for other people to be able to do that. But as as social workers, we don't have that opportunity because of confidentiality. Mm-hmm. We don't get to tell those stories personally.
1: You know, but it should. But
2: they're there. It does. It definitely makes you feel good when a client calls and says, "Remember me? I just want to tell you this is what I'm doing and Um, thank you for helping me." Um, I was an adolescent worker for five years, and I chased teenagers and dealt with teenagers, and my son was a teenager at the same time. Oh (laughs) lord, it was crazy. Oh, they all drove me crazy, Uh and um, they are all you know, in their mid to late twenties now. And when they pop up on social media Mm. uh, or in my inbox and they say, thank you for all the things that you did for me, all the things that you said to me. And I'm like, you, I don't even think you were listening. Mm -hmm. And they say, I was listening. Yeah, I was listening. I know I I gave you a hard time. I know that, you know, you had a hard time with me. But I was listening, and because you set a certain standard for me, a certain expectation for me, you were a role model for Uh me. When those words come back, I can't even tell you how many times I'm bawling my eyes out. I know. Yeah, do you get the chills?
1: I'm 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 getting
2: chills. I'm getting goosebumps right now. It it makes me cry. It makes me cry when they say, I was listening. Um, And because of you, I am where I am now. Uh And that there's no monetary value that can be put on that yeah that truly is priceless when i see them graduating from college becoming nurses their parents themselves not involved with us not struggling with addiction oh. like just doing amazing wow. things going into the military starting their own businesses. It just it it just blows my mind. Wow. And that is the those are the rewards that I have to hold on to because I don't always get to tell the positive stories. But I get to hold on and see them walk out their journey and know that I had a hand in that. And Wonderful. that's an amazing reward. Wonderful.
0: No, I mean, and uh, that's just incredible. I'm I'm choked up just yes. listening to it. And there's no other feeling like that. Um, just to see somebody that was struggling and then they're just, they've turned it around and they're doing so well. And in your heart, like you can't say anything, like you said, it's the confidentiality, but you're like, my goodness, like... And you've be thinking in the hearts of hearts, you know, Lord, I did
2: wonder about. Right.
0: If they, were Love they going to make it? Are they
2: going to make it? Are yeah. they going to make it? Are they hearing me? Yeah. Um, what else can I do? What other words can I share with them? Not to mm. mention, and we haven't talked much about this, but the prayer aspect
1: mm. is very,
2: very important to me when it comes to covering my team in prayer and covering all of the families that they're working with. Mm. I cover them in prayer. You too. got to I have You to. gotta? I
0: you gotta to. you gotta i mean i we've right. spent so much time on this and i thank you for that we're gonna have to do another show yeah. <laughs> um you know just to talk about this thing so like just to wrap up the professional um kadifia or dd because she's affectionately known um what resources are available to family like how do they get because uh, I there's that genuine fear that if i reach out to you know dcf um they're just going to come in and take my family but if you have genuine concern about yourself or another family that might be struggling how do you connect with
2: dcf they you can contact the department directly and say, I need some help connecting with services in the community. I'm new to the community. Um, I, I, I don't have any family here. How do I get connected to housing or therapy or um, other services that are available? You can call the department and they will put, give you the information that you need um, for that. Uh, the telephone number, though, is different in different parts of the state. So I would just say, look up Google the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families in your area, and then you'll find the telephone number. Just call and just say, I'm looking for information, and they can give you that information. They don't even have to know your story. They can give you, um, direct you to the Family Resource Center in your area, as well as other community-based providers who could provide some additional support to you and your children.
0: Ah, well. Thank you for that. And listen, I love Google next to Jesus. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jesus is number one on my list Absolutely. when I need advice and answers. Absolutely. But okay, Google, I'm a completely smart home. It's okay, Google. And, you know, just Google be helping a sister out. <laughs> Google be helping <laughs> her sister out, so thank you, Google. That's right. All right, awesome. So that was DD Dee Dee, the professional. So thank you for that. So now let's talk about DD Dee Dee, the woman. Okay. Um, because so let's go back to when I knew you when I was a teen and before I caught up to you. Um, <laughs> I'm never gonna let you live I that know, down. I love it.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, um, you were married um, with a kid yes. You were young And then, like I said, talk to me a little bit about that And then you went from being married with a kid To being a single mom And I'm putting this out there for my listeners Who I know I have a couple listeners Who are contemplating divorce Thinking of divorce and things like that And thinking there is absolutely no way I can do this
2: I can be a single mom I can come back I can. So let's let's get real Wow so I was married for seven years and my son was born prior to our actual marriage. We did things a little bit, you so, know, it's hot. out of order, but whatever. <laughs> it's and, um, like any other relationship started out great. Uh, but within time it was evident that we had different, um, focuses, things, different priorities, um, communication fell apart. We weren't working together as a unit, and it just unraveled. Mm. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done was to make that decision for us to separate and go our separate lives, uh, go our separate ways. And so we separated, and for a period of time, um, my husband lived here in the city, but then decided to move away and eventually moved further and further away with time. And that left me with this young man who was about eight years old at the time. And I'm thinking, how are we going to get this done? And so we did some work in co-parenting over the phone, you know, having regular phone calls, help him helping me to direct him on setting the rules, setting the expectations, making sure he was doing all of the things that he needed to do as a student athlete. However, it didn't take the place of him being here physically. And so I did reach out to um, his godparents. I reached out to coaches, um, staff at the boys and girls club. They all helped fill in the gap and, give additional support and guidance because you can't do it by, the, by yourself. And the African adage, it takes a village.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It does take a village and you have to decide who's a part of your village. It's not necessarily just your immediate family. Your village may be made up of teachers and coaches and mm-hmm. other people in the community who can help stand in the gap. And so I rely on a number of people to help guide me and support me, but also provide guidance and support to my son. Because I knew that as a black woman, I didn't know how to raise a black male. And I knew that there were certain aspects of his youth and about being a male that he needed that I didn't know Mm -hmm. that I couldn't teach him. And I relied on people who did that. And two staff at the Boys and Girls Club were instrumental in that. Ike McBride, who is also like a little brother to me and Louis Ojeda. They were very instrumental in making sure that, um, my son stayed in check
1: mm. and,
2: um, that he stayed on task. Mm. And so, um, it was very hard. I would be lying to you if I said that it was all easy. Um, I had the support of my mom. I had the support of my sister. Um, and being a college-educated woman, you think you know it all and think I had it together, but I couldn't rely on what I knew. Mm. Um, I asked God to give me, put people in our lives
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, in order to give us guidance and give us support. I did a lot of praying. We had family meetings, which was just the two of us. <laughs> we sit down <laughs> and we talk about an issue or something that's not working or whatever the case may be, something that's coming up that we need to address. We'd have these family meetings, just the two of us to talk and to plan. Um, I will tell you financially, it was very hard. Lights on, lights off. Phone on, phone off. Gas on, gas off. Car, no car. Car repossessed, no car. Just all kinds of things that we had to endure. However, we had to do it as a unit. Mm. We had to do it as a unit. Uh, I'd like to believe that we are stronger for it but i will say to you that there are moments even now and my son is now 29 that i look back and say wow i wish i would have handled that a little bit differently i would have i wish i would have done this a little bit differently but it's the past it's done and when I look at him now, today, as the the man that he is—not even young man, but the man, man. that he is—and the father that he is—I'm impressed. I see such amazing things in him. The quality of his character, um, his work ethic, mm. his dedication as a father to his daughter—all um, of that—I'm like, I had a hand in that. Wow! And that's not to discount his dad, because his dad, you know, eventually moved back to Massachusetts and we were able to regroup and work as a unit and today he and I are very close. We are very close um we support each other and um and we are a family. We are a Wonderful. family. We continue to work as a family. So it was hard. Uh, I, w- <laughs> I would I would be lying to you
1: yeah.
2: and lying to your listeners if I said that it was all easy because it wasn't it wasn't easy at all. But the grace of God, the mercy of God, um, his promises, which are true, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And um, you have not because you asked not. I learned how to ask for what I needed mm. um, in some respects. And um, and God delivered. Amen. He delivered. He Amen. did. He showed up and he brought us this far. Otherwise, there's no way I could be sitting here with you um, as and I don't even feel worthy to be a part <laughs> of this Phenomenal Woman series. To be honest with you, I don't even feel worthy. It truly is an honor because I look back and think, wow, I got so many things wrong. There's so many things I could have done differently. But here I am. Right. I'm still standing. You are still standing. If I could sing on a bust out that Marvin
0: Sapp right now, like <laughs> <laughs> never would have made it. Never would have made it. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. All right, girl, I'm gonna stop you right there. You are phenomenal. Um, you know what? One of the hardest things for us to do sometimes is to truly believe that we are phenomenal because so we true. think it's conceit, but it's yeah. not. It it's is confidence. The, it's confidence. I'm telling you you're phenomenal because I think we have enough things in our lives and enough people in our lives who wants to tell us we're not. And I'm not going to be that negative person in my life. I'm not going to be that
2: negative person in your life. So I'm telling mm. you. Well, and I receive it. I think that so many times we have a hard time doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, how about when someone gives you that compliment and girl, I love that shirt. Oh, it was only $7. They didn't ask Mm -hmm. you that. They just said that they loved your shirt. You know, we just always try to minimize ourselves no matter what it is. Something as trivial as taking a compliment about your shirt or your hair or your shoes or whatever it is. We always try to trivialize Mm -hmm. it and, and minimize it instead of just saying thank you.
0: You know, and it's something that we have to learn because I think at one point, um I think in my prior life I was shy. I'm not gonna say I'm shy now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even believe that, but okay. I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, um I think I used to like there's times, you know, people give you a compliment, you're like, Oh, thanks. You know, it's like this whole thing and whatever. But you know, the other thing on the flip side of that is like, you know, when I'm me and I'm very confident and not because I think I'm better looking than everybody else, but because I'm me uniquely, 100% authentically, fabulously me. Yes. <laughs> so, and it's who I am. There's things about me that are not perfect and I'm okay with that. There's things that, you know, you want to change something a little smaller, something a little bigger. I won't say what they are, we won't say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, nice. it's like, I've just gotten to the point, like you say, you look good. Oh, thank you, girl. Mm -mm." And that's the thing. I'm just going to own it. And whether you meant it to be derogatory or you were trying to be sarcastic, I'm just going to take the compliment. But then on the other side, people are like, oh, she's so conceited. And, you know, it's
2: just like, but you gave me a compliment. So should I not have taken it? You can't please everybody. You sure can't please everyone. And I think that at this season in my life, I am in the journey, the part of the journey where I'm accepting being imperfectly perfect, being imperfectly perfect. And a lot of times I post on social media about um, the mistakes that you made and believing in yourself and overcoming the deficit, the flaws, the mistake, whatever it is, because we spend so much time beating ourselves up. Mm-hmm. And if you spend all your time doing that, you're not going to pull yourself up. You're not going to break that pattern in your life. You're not going to shift and begin to move in an area into a different direction. And so I'm out of my own pain, out of my own um, deficits. I'm saying I'm imperfectly perfect and I'm okay with that. And we should be. Because everyone else seems to be okay with me being imperfectly perfect, but how is it that I haven't been? And that's because I've imposed a standard on myself that was so unrealistic that um, it just didn't make any sense. And we can do these kinds of things to ourselves and cause ourselves so much pain. Mm -hmm. We can cause ourselves a lot of pain as a result of that mental tape that's playing on the inside.
1: Mm.
2: And when we rehearse that, we realize that we need to replace those words with something positive, like the Kim formations Mm -hmm. from Kimberly Oliver, one of Mm -hmm. your other uh, phenomenal women. We have to replace that negative thinking with something positive. And that's why I applaud your pod, applaud your podcast because there's so much negative in the world. So much negativity, We need something that's positive, Mm -hmm. something to hold on to that's going to get us through this day. And hopefully on to the next.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. And, you know, and, you know, even talking about, you know, being married, no longer married, being a single parent and, you know, just what you went through and, you know, realizing that it took a village and you reached out for help because girl, I'm a black girl. I, you know, we can do it all. Like sometimes we have a hard time asking right. for help, it's true. asking for help and recognizing and mamas don't be getting upset at me now, but. You need a black man in your life to help you, to teach you how to raise a black man because there's experiences and especially now in this era, there's experiences, hallelujah, Jesus, yes. that they are going through that you can't fathom and you can't understand. And, you know, even having the talk, which, you know, I talked about in an earlier podcast with the black man, um, that you are raising about how to behave when they're pulled over by the police. And it's sad that you have, but it's a conversation that That's has real. to be had. Yeah. It is real. And I wouldn't be equipped. You know, I can do it. I'm a mother to say to a black man, How to behave because another black man has that same feeling of helplessness of thinking, you know, here I am doing nothing. I work hard. I go to school. I get good grades. And I'm being treated like a boy, like a servant for just driving on the street. Like, I can't understand those feelings, no matter how empathetic I am. And having somebody else who can understand that, to caution them and talk to them, I think is important. So I think it's really cool that you
2: did that. Absolutely. I had to, even when it was, you know, when it came to what it meant to be an athlete and to be a student, how to manage themselves in the community, um, all of that was very important. And although I had these different... um, um, I can't even think of the name. There was one kind of mantra that I said to my son, no books, no ball. So if he wasn't on his books, if his grades weren't right, then he couldn't play baseball, basketball, tennis, golf, whatever he signed uh-huh. up for. He couldn't do it because he was a student first and he was an athlete second. And when I my village stepped in, they were able to help reinforce that. Yeah. And not just focus on, well, he's a talented athlete. No, he needs, he's a student first. And I need you all to back me up with that. And they did that. And it, it's carried on um, throughout his life.
0: Well, you know, um, and we're going to wrap up this section, but I, I think one of the things too, I love about this era of athletes, because back in the day, you're a black boy, you, it's it's sports, right? That's right. all you know and whatever. And they didn't really focus on academics because, you know, somebody was taking the test or I don't know who made the shift, right. but I'm glad the shift was made. Absolutely. Um, Because if you look at these current athletes, now they are entrepreneurial, they are business minded, they are they're sharp, savvy. I mean, you look at like LeBron James is a brand. Yeah. You know, Kobe Bryant is a brand. And, yes. you know, um, there's so many. And I'm only thinking of one or two right now because, you know, Dwayne Wade and, you know, just all of them, they just realize and I that sports can end. You can get one bad break or something like that. And then what do you fall back on? And you got to protect your money. You have billions of dollars and there's people who are willing to take that billions of dollars from you. So you can go a long way in it, but then you come out and you have nothing or you get injured and you come out and you have nothing. So understanding how to manage your money. Absolutely. So I
2: think you're on the right path. It absolutely was so important in um, making sure he had other values and he understood the value of education.
0: Absolutely. So
2: um, he's yet to finish his degree. But I'm believing God, he will get it done. And in the meantime, he is developing a career for himself. So, Amen. It'll work out. You know what? They all have to find their own path. Absolutely. He has to find from, his own path.
0: Cannot find it for him. So, you know, like I said, thank you for that, for just speaking so honestly and so candidly about that, Erin. Um, My pleasure. My, 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 I almost said my clients, my listeners. (laughs) Yes, I do have a few clients that listen. Yes, you have some clients, that's right. I'm a life coach, so I do have a few clients that listen to the podcast. But, you know, just understanding
2: that, that there's life afterwards and, you know, things like that. Absolutely. I think that once you go through a divorce, you do have to find, there may be a period of time where you're, finding yourself again and reconnecting because your identity is now shifting from being a wife to back to being this individual mm. and going about your your journey by yourself. And um, it, it, it takes time and it takes work. And then it also takes a lot of energy trying to find a way to let people, new people into your life. And mm. so... Um, unfortunately, well, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate that I haven't remarried. It's actually as of December, we've been divorced 20 years. And so wow. yeah, it's a long time to, um, that we've been divorced but have a great friendship. Um, but I find myself not dating mm. and at this time. and and that's been a struggle. That's, yeah. ugh, that part is not fun. And I think being the age that I am now, I'm almost kind of like done with it. Like I don't, even, I don't even care right now, but I wrestle with it. I'll okay. be honest. I wrestle with it. I go back and forth at times. I'm, you know, I'm saved and single as Kimberly Oliver says, okay. and, and I'm cool with it. And there's other times I'm not cool with it, Yeah. you know? Um. So I, I wrestle with it and it, it's, I take it day by day now. Yeah. I'll just take it day by day.
0: No, I mean, I, I get it. You know, Kim is famous for being single and saved, and we yes. talked about it on our interview. You know, what she talked about it was just Valentine's Day because now you're in the store, I and mean, we. I'm married and I'm telling you, like, I just like, okay, calm down. We get it. Like just boom, boom, boom. I don't want it's any, everywhere. I don't want any more teddy bears. Yes. I have enough. I buy my chocolate all the time, which I really shouldn't. And, <laughs> you know, and jewelry, Lord, I can't wait for him to buy jewelry because I love costume jewelry and he wants to buy fine jewelry and things like that. So we don't technically celebrate. We don't really celebrate Valentine's mm-hmm. day, you know, cause it's like, it's just, I'm more for every day, every day, every day. That's right. So Buy me something like just on a random Tuesday versus Valentine's that means that Day. means more. Exactly. And here's the deal: like I rock, I love flowers, they're pretty, but they die, and I I don't have a green thumb. It's a whole nother episode. But <laughs> 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 so my husband is uniquely qualified. Like he was made perfect for me. Um, because he'll get me things that I want and you know, not flowers. So he um I'm a reader. I love reading, just opening the pages, the book, the smell, just everything curled up with my book. I love books. And so I used to travel a lot for work and things like that. And he had bought me an e-reader. Oh, okay. He did, and I was like, I don't want an e-reader, you know, like whatever. I'm not betraying the book. That's barbaric. And okay, I had I was on my soapbox for a minute. (laughs) Just, you know, talking about why I don't like turning the pages. I I do. Too. and smelling the paper yes, and do. seeing the that. print and all of that and that for a long time i was like i'm just not gonna do it it's just like i think it's a betrayal nobody cared but <laughs> <laughs> it's a betrayal of my book loving ways but you know what and then one day i actually brought it on the plane and I, I, I write. I love it. And, uh, <laughs> I do. That mission. Because I've had, I can put multiple books on it and I'll be going on vacation, bring like 10 books with me. Wow. And I remember once at the airport, once I had so many books, I had to take them out and put them under my arm because they were going to charge me extra for that. And so wow. the neck, I love reading. So, the next year, um, when I went on vacation, then I brought the e-reader, and then I was able to download, like, five, ten books and read them because I've become a convert. Okay. (laughs) You have been (laughs) converted. Yes. And, like, at (laughs) nights when he's sleeping, I'm able to, like, sneak the e-reader in the bed and, like, read some Mm -hmm. books. But with the other book, I would have to have the nightlight. So (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So, he knows. He gets you. He does. Like, he gets me. You know, like, back in the day, it was, like, you know, when we had cable and we had the DVR to DVR my shows so I had to watch my general hospital and my scandal you know things like that so, <laughs> but that thing surprised me with things that I don't like I love and I realize more than flowers because that those things mean the most to me so we don't really generally celebrate Valentine's Day sometimes we'll say oh you know it's Valentine's Day let's grab dinner we'll come we watch a movie and the kids won't let us have no free time child so <laughs> <Kids>. <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and they keep asking for a little sister but anyway can't right. really Let's <laughs> But if they're Fine. constantly with me, <laughs> not
2: gonna
0: happen. I was just saying, but I think they're too young to explain that part to song Anyway, <laughs> oh god, honey, if you're listening to this, okay, all right. Anyway,
2: so you know you're bombarded right now with just all this coupledom. Like seriously, it can be it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. Um. But- and you just have to be careful not to sink into your feelings and mm-hmm. go down into the abyss of "Oh my God, I'm by myself again." And yeah. you just have to stop yourself from going there because yeah. otherwise, there's you can get to a place of no return. Exactly. You know? And that's why I I do value uh, Kim's series um, that she's doing and 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 encouraging singles and reminding them that you're not your status
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that. You are multidimensional. dimensional. Mm-hmm. Your relationship is just, your relationship status is just one part of who you are. And while you're waiting, go on and do other things. Mm-hmm. There's so many other things that you can do with your life to stay busy because otherwise you're going to sit on the couch, you're going to be sad, you're going to sink into an abyss of sadness and depression and thinking that no one loves you, no one wants you. And life is passing you by. Absolutely. And so in the meantime, get a vision, get a vision for your life. Pray about it. God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing right now? What is my purpose? Give me an idea. Get connected to other people. Mm-hmm. Travel by yourself. Travel with others. Get a hobby. Mm-hmm. Find something to do with your time
1: absolutely you have
2: to you have to find something to do with absolutely
1: no
0: nope, you're not your because you
2: not our status
0: no nope, you're not i mean i'm not just paul's wife right <laughs> exactly <laughs> Like, there's so many different aspects to me. Absolutely. And there is also Suzanne, the individual, right. that likes to curl up with her good book and, yes. you know, with a blanket, eating right. ice cream. You gotta, yes. Exactly.
2: Yes. That's what we do in New England. <laughs> oh, child. We eat ice cream anytime of year. We have to. I can't give up ice cream just because it's cold. No way. That's <laughs> so, what blankets are for.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. We're having so much fun.
2: We are having a good time, and I know that you probably have to to run. We could probably go on. We and on
0: can. And on. There's a few other things that we have to that I, I want to chat to, and there's just so many things that's coming for my brand positively, Suzanne. Some I don't want to share yet because you know sometimes when you have something in place and just one component falls apart, and then the thing just doesn't come out the way you want it. So I'm trying to wait, but I get so excited and I want to wait before I share um, just everything that's happening. So um, thank you for that. One of the things. I You know, I wanted to talk about So we've talked about D.D. Dee Dee, the professional We've talked about D.D. the, you know The fearless mother And, you know, all of that um, So you mentioned Waist Speed by Cardithia Yes So let's talk about it a little because You heard it here, I'm rocking a bikini this summer oh, <laughs> yes,
1: ma'am. Holla. Holla.
2: Holla. So what is Waist Beads by Cardithia So Waist beads by Cardi, there was a a business that I started about eight years ago. Um, I was not familiar with waist beads. Waist beads are um, sometimes they're referred to as belly chains and they are worn around your waist underneath your clothing. The origins are set in West African culture, um, but it is also very common to see women from the Indian culture and East Indian culture also wear waist beads. But it's primarily found in the West African culture. Women wore their beads; uh, began to wear their beads as young as two or three years old, as an adornment around their waist. However, there are some traditions um, in various countries that believe that as you grow, your waist beads help you to maintain your shape, keeping your waist small so that your hips, as you go through like pu- puberty and you fill out your waist will be contained by the waist beads. And then you get this curvy hourglass Coke bottle uh, type figure. Mm. Um, Waist beads were worn for many different reasons though. Um, There are many different, um, I don't want to say myths, but um, associated proverbs that believe that you wear certain waist beads with certain stones around your waist, which chase away certain evil spirits or evil feelings. Um, I don't aspire to any of that. I don't Mm
1: -hmm.
2: believe in any of that. I like waist beads because as a woman, they make me feel beautiful. They make me feel sexy. They make me um, appreciate every lump, roll, curve, Mm. uh, my stretch marks, it's just an adornment that I'm able to appreciate. Mm-hmm. All this other jewelry that I have on really um, may appeal to other people, but my waist beads are for me. Yeah, Your waist beads are for you. Your waist beads are for you and your partner, mm-hmm. for you and your husband to enjoy. Um, every now and then you may see someone, if they are wearing a bikini like <laughs> <Suzanne> <laughs> this summer, yes. you may see them during that time of year, but otherwise, you don't to see someone's waist beads mm. and that's what keeps them very private and very intimate i have on two right now but you wouldn't know that i've not seen them now you not able to see them um so i'll show you later all right um and so they really are a form of adornment you don't have to be a particular size some people say oh when i get smaller then i will get waist beads from you you can get waist beads now for the size that you are and enjoy them, and appreciate who you are just the way that you are. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you, if you're looking for speeds come see me. I am in the process of having a website developed. I should have done it a long time ago, but I didn't. But someone is working on it right now so that um, speeds will be automated. You'll be able to go on, see what I have for inventory, place your order, and it'll be shipped out. Wonderful. So that is coming, and hopefully in March, Mm -hmm. the the um, website will be done. So I would say that don't worry about how big or small your waist is. Think about doing something for yourself where you Mm -hmm. can appreciate who you are, where you are in this particular part of your journey and your life. People wear waist beads. um, They choose various colors because it's their favorite color. Um, different um, what's the word I'm looking for things that are associated with the colors like white is associated with purity green for prosperity and so on and so forth. So if you're looking to learn more about that um, get at me inbox me um, at Cardithia more Cardithia more Jenkins or you can go directly to WaySpeeds by Cardithia on Facebook. Okay so let's spell Cardithia darling. Yes let's do that (laughs) C-A-R-D-E-T-H-I-A. Again, that's C-A-R-D-E-T-H-I-A.
0: All right. Perfect. So that is Speeds by Cardithia. And, you know, all these phenomenal women that I have on the show, you know, they're doing things, different endeavors. I want you to support them. So that's why I have them share their information. Um, I'll tag them on social media, except for Sister Tracy, who does not do social media, but that's a whole right. other story. <laughs> so um, we will, I think she has Instagram and she'll post one random cookie in the middle of November, I'm like, okay, Tracy, like what, you like, what are you doing? So, or the beach in the winter, right? Nobody goes to the beach in the winter, but you, so <laughs> the Cape beach. So right. anyway, um, just please follow support. Um, I'll tag her so you will be able to go to our website and do, and I know that one thing you do do too, is like, you do different
2: Island because like with the Caribbean festival, you have waist beads that yes, represents your I culture. Have, absolutely. I have waist beads. And the colors representing the uh, the flag for Jamaica, the flag for Trinidad, for Barbados, um, and for Grenada. Those are the ones that I have right now. Oh, and I also have 80. Okay. So, yes, let's put that out there. And the African-American flag, which is red rena in black for juneteenth festival coming up in june i have those as well all right perfect all right so we
0: know how to contact her and um you also mentioned something so i know that you as a couple years ago or how long ago did you start doing vision boards? so let's talk about what a vision board is and your next upcoming vision board party that we talked about recently you said mm-hmm. i didn't have one you have anything? you said i have behind on this and then lo and behold you're having a vision board. Let's talk. Yeah,
2: so it came about uh, two years ago. I went to someone else's, else's vision board workshop. I'd always been interested in them, but didn't know how to pull it together. So I attended a vision board workshop, really enjoyed the experience, um, and left with a small vision board, and I knew that my vision was much bigger than that. So I went home, and I spent some time, and I made a much larger vision board um, that I'll have to share with you at some point in time. And the Lord just kind of dropped in my spirit that you can do this. You're a teacher by nature. Take this. He gave me some concepts and some ideas and I developed a workshop and I started um, having them at the Boys and Girls Club here in Worcester. And then the holidays came along and things just kind of took a turn and it just kind of fell apart. However, the following year, people started contacting me again, asking for the workshop. So I continued it. Um, but one of the most um, surprising requests was to go to a couple's home um, for date night mm. so that they could work on way speeds together. And the wife made this arrangement. The husband had no idea. Uh-huh. I show up with all this stuff. He helps me bring it in, but he has no idea what's happening. They pack up their kids. A family member comes and picks them up. They uh-huh. order food. Dinner uh-huh. arrives, and we begin the workshop. And I stayed with them for about four hours. Wow! And they worked on their separate vision boards. Their goal is at some point in time to come together and do one larger family wow. family vision, but they worked on their separate... and. Uh, separate boards. And they just sat there talking, laughing, Aww. having a very intimate conversation I'm, as if I wasn't even there and just enjoying themselves. Wow. So if you're interested in having a date night and you want me to uh, come and do a vision board workshop for you and your spouse, you and your partner, then uh, let me know. And I'd be more than happy to, to come wherever you are and do that.
0: That's awesome. That is such a unique date night. I would appreciate something like that. So husbands, if you're listening, um, you can connect with her too. That is fantastic.
2: Absolutely. Hit me up on um, Cardithia Moore Jenkins on Facebook, inbox me. And I'm looking to decide whether or not there'll be a website for that as well. But a vision board basically is a, a collage of pictures, phrases, words, um, mementos, special memorabilia, about a particular vision that you have. It could be for your whole life or it could be for a segment of your life. Maybe you're moving into the place in your life where you want to travel and there are places you want to go. So your vision board is geared and centered and focused on travel. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. Maybe you're planning to get married. You want to get married. You can develop your vision for your wedding and for your reception. Um, Maybe it's for your career. Um, it can be for so many different things or it can cover many aspects of your life, like your spiritual aspect of your life, your career, your education, um, health, wellness, so on and so forth, travel. It can go on and on and on. So um, if you're interested in attending the workshop, you can go to Eventbrite and it says Vision Board Workshop. It is being sponsored by the Jewelry House but I am hosting it and it's going to be on Saturday, February 29th, starting at 630 p.m. at 16 Portland Street. I think is in Worcester is the um, address. So I'm ho- the seating is limited. So if you're interested, please come out. Make sure you get to Eventbrite quickly because the seats are going to go quickly. My sister's. We
0: all know y'all like to wait last minute. I ain't going to lie. I do too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> don't wait. Don't, no. wait. don't wait. First come, first serve. So That's let's right. get signed up. Let's get this
2: vision board um done and executed. So, wow. And just one thing to add, it's a very reasonable cost. It's $20. Okay. And all your materials are going to be provided. And you will have some refreshments as well. So you don't have to bring anything unless you have some pictures or mementos or memorabilia that you want to add to your board, you can bring those with you. Otherwise, we provide everything else.
0: That's wonderful. And Vision Board are huge. I see a lot of people doing it. Um, celebrities are doing it. Yes. Just, you know how we're celebrity obsessed culture. <laughs> <Right>. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my goodness, that's wonderful. So we have a couple of things coming up. So I uh, you know, I one of my Angelou's um famous saying is as you learn, teach. And so there's things that I'm always like, you know, I will impart information. So you mentioned that, you know, you're doing the beat by Cardithia, and then you're doing the vision board and you're wondering if there's a separate website. Um, so what I did, mm-hmm. um, so I started my brand and I've given this advice to a couple other people, Positively Suzanne. Okay. And under that umbrella, I have multiple things so that i don't have to develop a different brand or a concept for each oh, thing
2: okay. so that's that's very helpful think about your brand
0: yes and then under the umbrella you would have the way speed by Cardithia. then you could have the vision board and then all the other things that you're going to be getting over the years so then you don't have to do, develop in all these websites so you'll have just the one oh. and then all these other things are just an extension of who you are think of like you know oprah My Mm -hmm. model, like, you know, you have Oprah, right? And then you have the Harpo Studios, you have O-Network and all of this. So all of that is under one umbrella. So you don't have to have multiple entities. So you'll just be the conglomerate. And then under it, it's all those little umbrellas. So I don't have to develop different concepts every single time. That is
2: so helpful because I was trying to figure out how do I... Yeah. I have, you know, three different websites with no. three different things. No. So, okay. This is my help on Saturdays is generally a day that I use for planning and working on my own stuff. Yeah. So I'll go back home into the lab, which is the living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, girl. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> because my son is occupying my occupying my office. Yeah. So um, I will go to the lab and I will sit down and I will... I will work on that. No. I will contact the person who's building my website and, and we can talk about that. No, so that's very you. helpful. Thank you.
0: No, you're welcome. Listen, I'm all about, you know, helping each other, um, you know, as you learn, because, you know, like your shine don't stop my shine, my shine don't stop your shine. That's right. And so I think we should grow
2: and develop together. So I Absolutely. think that would be fantastic. There is so much shine out there. Mm-mm. There's enough money for all of us to Mm-mm. get some. There's enough customers Clients, everything, uh, followers, everything. You know, there's enough for everybody. Everything. And all we need to do is just work together, support one another, encourage one another. Absolutely. That's what it's all
0: about. Absolutely. We can we can rise together. I mean, there's no reason why I should be or you should be the only one at the table. We can all sit at the table. We can all sit Get at the table. Get a bigger table.
2: <laughs> Simple as that.
0: Get a bigger Let table. Let the table grow. Absolutely. So that's what I'm saying. I love seeing um, phenomenal women um, doing things, you know, just grow and learn learning and doing. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. I had such a good time. I do have to wrap it up. Yes, absolutely.
2: (laughs) It's such an honor to be here. As I said at the beginning, at the top of the talk, Um, we don't always see ourselves as phenomenal. And thank you for recognizing that in me and stirring that up inside Mm. of me. I can go forward today feeling proud, feeling accomplished, um, but also making sure that I see that, recognize that and acknowledge that in other women that I come in contact with as
0: well. Amen. And you know, that's truly what it's all about. I really want us to see it not only in ourselves but in others and pushing them to see because sometimes some people like they are phenomenal, they don't know it. And you just saying one thing to them brings that out. It's so true. And are able to help. And the gifts that God has placed into each of us is so unique and we don't know what that is. And I truly believe that my gift, my passion is to help others realize the greatness in them, and bring that out, and that's, right. that's it. That is my motto. That's my mission. That's so one last thing, I we're wrapping up, um, and you know how we do this. It's like it's we don't practice before because I want it to be authentic and unscripted, and just two girlfriends sitting down and having fun. Um, and there's no topic that's off-limits. And if it was, they would hold up a finger and say it. But nothing so far. You were in a movie. Yeah, So let's talk about that quickly
2: because we have oh, like, wow. three minutes! Yes. So, <laughs> um, a friend of mine, um, wrote a, a screenplay entitled Joseph, and Joseph is based on the story of Mary's husband. Yeah. Joseph in the Bible. And there are so many, um, stories told about many other characters mm. in the Bible, like Moses and Jesus, of course, um, but never told from the perspective of Joseph, who was Jesus's, the earthly father of Jesus. Mm. And so uh, this very local uh, writer and director put out um, a casting call mm. and my myself, my sister, and my niece went out for the casting call and... We were, were selected. Unfortunately, my sister and my niece were not able to participate because my niece also does dance and she had a competition during the time that we were filming. And so I was, um the part that I played, I was an extra and I was considered to be a concubine. Oh, which Lord. is quite- <laughs> Which is quite funny to me, <laughs> considering my status uh, in terms of you know being in church and being saved. But um, I am not my status, I'm not in the movie <laughs> Um, it's too funny. But it was a, it was a. Tremendous experience. Yeah. It was great exposure to see what people go through on a movie set. Mm. It was filmed here in Massachusetts. It was cold. Mm. Um, you sit around, a lot of sitting around mm. for hours and hours. And then when it's your time for your scene, doing it over and over and over again and resetting. If you moved a piece of fruit, you got to put it back exactly where you had it so that when they shoot the scene again, it looks exactly the same. And so starting over and over. And so um, I made it to the big screen. I actually, my face Did um shows up in the movie it is a short film and um actually got to see my face on the big screen wow it was absolutely phenomenal I didn't have any words but it is of me laughing um in this particular scene and just to see my name roll up in the credits yeah okay yeah that's that was pretty cool there are no small parts no there's no there's no small parts. um, of Mr. Tyler Perry I am available for other roles, um hopefully in the future. Yes, I will be able to take on a speaking role. So Mr. Perry, uh, yes, Oprah, someone. I Can't even joke about I, I want to Get say, at me. I can't say, at sh- me. you're more than a conqueror. But yes. <laughs> I won't use the other one. Yeah, available. <laughs> All right, Let's talk. Awesome.
0: Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Oh, geez. Anyway, that is phenomenal. Yeah, um, great yeah, no, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was listening to so Cardi B did that movie, Hustlers, and I was, I, I love Ellen. Ellen, it's so funny, hilarious. Yes. And um, Cardi B did it, and she was talking about acting in the movie, mm-hmm. and she was saying, like, there's a lot. Of sitting around there's a Lots. lot of wasting time and you know because she's like you know like rapping you're in the studio you know you blah blah, blah you're going but she's like movies like you have to sit and then the take and then when they do the other thing and ellen had said to her um you know like are you gonna do more she's like i'm gonna make that paper so, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, in the words of cardi b right. go make that paper girl that's right uh, this one was there was no paper associated but but, right. mr perry when you you know come for me uh we can talk. bring that paper. Yes, and I will bring my uh, <laughs> bring my attorney with me and Absolutely. my manager is a- Suzanne Anderson.
0: Absolutely yes. under the umbrella, positively Suzanne. There I- is management underneath. Man- exactly <laughs>
2: management. <laughs> yes, so, somebody get at
0: me. All right, Ben. Oh my <laughs> goodness, I had such a good time. Um,
2: this was this was a lot of fun. It was. It
0: was. It was a lot of fun. But um, it does have to come to an end, otherwise, you know, uh, you know. Anyway, we can talk all day, but That's we fine. will talk again. Absolutely. Um, we will That's talk beautiful. in a few months when you have launched your brand Absolutely. and the other things under your umbrella yes. and the, all the other things that are going to come out. I see great things for you. Amen. I'm excited about the future What God is going to play out Amen. for you. And I want you to claim that now. Amen. We Amen. never know. Jesus. And yeah, I'll be here for you, rooting along,
2: cheering you along. And anytime. Good. I would. I definitely look forward to coming back and sharing with you all the great things that, um, have come to pass. Absolutely. I appreciate you speaking those things as well. Amen. So, so say goodbye to your fans. Thank you fans. Thank you for allowing
0: me to spend time with you. Have a blessed day. All right, guys. So that is our phenomenal woman, Miss Cardithia, Didi Moore, um, had a phenomenal time. So until next time I do have to sign off. So this is me saying Tata
1: and goodbye. And join us for the next episode of our Phenomenal Woman series.